In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few days ago, driving on the interstate, I noticed something that we don't typically see on the side of the road. The speed limit sign was there, but underneath it, it showed the minimum speed limit. Now, granted, yesterday evening during the rainstorms of many hours, lots of traffic was driving slow for good reason, sometimes a little too slow, but I'm not going to fault their, their caution. And some cars simply decided to, to wait it out and sit under a bridge and wait for the rain to go by. They weren't going to, they knew it's, it's not proper for me to drive five miles an hour on the interstate. You know, and when it's, when driving conditions are normal, some places the minimum speed is 45 miles an hour. Driving is inherently dangerous. It requires attention and skill. We need to know what we're doing. We need to be fairly competent at it. Not just at the immediate skills that will be demanded of us, but even to be prepared for things that might happen that aren't supposed to happen. But that doesn't mean that driving is bad. It doesn't mean that driving is a list of don'ts. When we're good at driving, it's actually enjoyable, especially given good company and pleasant surroundings. Drive west, and it's painful for 30 minutes, but once you get to Haymarket, it's actually lovely. You actually feel better the longer you're on the road until you get to I-81. That's a completely different story. On Wednesday, the church celebrates the feast of St. James the Greater, St. James the Apostle, the brother of John. We also celebrate the feast of St. Christopher. July 25th is both feast days. Fifty years ago, on July 25th, Pope Paul VI published the letter Humani Vitae. It's not as though we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the church's teaching. It's always been the church's teaching. We're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the, the latest controversial iteration of what Christians have always believed and tried to do. Marriage is inherently dangerous. It might change your life. But if you're aware of what you're doing and you, and, you, and you do it with skill, it doesn't have to be a list of don'ts, things you're not supposed to do. Especially with good company and pleasant surroundings, it can be quite enjoyable. That's what you tell me. The controversial part of the church's beliefs have to do with that aspect where there's not just... um,
an unlimited freedom to, to modify as we want certain aspects of marriage as though there's no minimum speed. Sometimes we know, no, if, if I'm going to get on the road, I have to be driving at least this fast. And I know some things might happen and I have to be prepared for them. And if I'm not willing to be prepared for those things, then I shouldn't be on the road. It's not as though driving's bad. It's not as though we're, we're bad people for being afraid. But if I'm going to do this thing, then I need to be ready for what's likely to happen and even prepare for what isn't so likely, but it might happen. And there's no shame in admitting, I might sit this one out. I'm just going to sit under the bridge and wait, wait for the storm to pass by. And then we'll get back on the road. That's fine. Now, it's a complicated thing. Let's say you have mom and dad in the driver's seat and passenger seat. And one of them saying, we need to go into that storm. The other says, no, we need to stay under the bridge. That, it's complicated. Hopefully they can sort that out without too much acrimony. But when people say, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stay under the bridge, that's totally fine. But to be on the road at five miles an hour when reasonable traffic can go a lot faster than that, that's trying to suit things to your own particular circumstances in a way that really is not, um, not fitting. Food is great, isn't it? Food is wonderful. I love food. You can tell. <laughs> food has two purposes, doesn't it? It's, it, it? it's immediate and most important purpose is to nourish your body. Secondarily, it also pleases you. It tastes good. And that's not just incidental. Now, if anyone were, were to assert that eating has only one purpose, but not both. <clears throat> the consequences are significant. If someone were to say that eating is only about nourishing the body, it has nothing to do with the pleasure of eating. They may very well be good eaters, but they will never be good cooks. If, on the other hand, someone is going to say that eating is only about flavor and has nothing to do with the nourishing of the body, and not only will their cooking perhaps be flavorless, but it might even have poison in it. But it's okay as long as it tastes good. Eating obviously has both purposes. And we don't have to be thinking about them in order for them to be at work. It's not as though we are imposing these purposes on the activity of eating. They already exist. One is primary and necessary. The other is secondary, but they're both, they're both necessary. Separating the two results in... Uh, Problems, um, syndromes that even are diagnosable, where someone just simply wants the flavor of food or, or they even want the experience of eating, but they don't want the food to stay inside of them. Imagine if in the 21st century the greatest invention would be 
that someone devises something that you can, you can consume either before or after you eat the food, so that after the food is ingested, it just mm, disappears. Would we call the activity that results from that eating, really? Or just tasting? That's not really eating. So love is difficult. Love has consequences. I know that if, if, if I say I, I love someone, if I express that love, then I'm making a commitment. There's, there's the commitment of friendship, and there's, there's the commitment of marriage. And there's the commitment of saying that I love God and I belong to Him. In the ordinary circumstances of life, we aren't thinking about our activity of love. It just, it, hopefully it just simply happens. But sometimes it has to be deliberate. And there are some times when we feel like we don't have any love left in us. It doesn't mean that we are deprived of the presence of God, necessarily. A few weeks ago, we used the image of driving and the vehicle as an example of moral virtue, I may very, well, may very well have natural virtues, but that doesn't mean that I have the presence of God in me. The car may be beautiful and may want run perfectly, but who is being transported? Am I bringing God to people or not? It's those theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. That means that God is in me. But sometimes I can forget that God's in the car, and sometimes I can even feel like God's not in the car. Sometimes I'm unaware of, of, the, of the virtues, not just the moral virtues, but the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love being, being in me. So we pray at the beginning of Mass today to be given grace that, that, that those virtues may, may, may be more effective. The person who's in the state of grace may be facing a challenge and they might feel like they don't, they don't know what they believe. They may feel hopeless. They might not feel any love in them. It doesn't mean that they're separated from God and awful and, and completely ill-prepared for what's going on. It could very well mean that those virtues of faith, hope, and love need to become more active. We need to, we need to engage them and respond to them in a more lively manner. And realize that when I, when I, when I do commit to getting on the road, that I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And when I, when I do decide to stay under the bridge, that um, I do it wisely. That when I do decide to cook, or when I do decide to eat, that I actually, actually do everything that's entailed. And make sure that it tastes good and it's good for you. Or at least if it's not that good for you, it's not bad for you. And as much as we're talking about marriage and family in a way which is appropriate for the little ears around us, 
there's something far more profound going on as well. We've made the commitment to love and worship God, to belong to him, and to engage in this sacrifice which his son offered up. It is impossible and completely inappropriate to to be simply a spectator or to simply to enjoy the taste of being of the feeling of being close to God but not serving him and not belonging to him and not obeying his will it actually is to our detriment if we if we want and even try to worship him now for an hour but ignore him for the rest of the week it might almost be better for us not to pretend That's why you might even have noticed in in Charles Wilton's column a week or two ago, I encouraged him to make some mention of the fact that everyone should come to Mass, especially those who know they can't receive Holy Communion. As you encounter people who can't receive Holy Communion for one reason or another, please encourage them to come to Sunday Mass, even when they know they're not going to be receiving Holy Communion. The pews should always be full. There should be standing room only every Sunday. Now, to come and to say, I am in communion with God and I am going to receive Holy Communion, that's, a, that's the real commitment that has to be based in truth. And that commitment has to be something that we intend to, to live out. To worship God and to, to receive this sacrament that comes from the sacrifice offered up is a, is a, is a pledge of eternal love. When we receive that gift of love, we, 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 we belong to him. So we ask the Lord to pour his grace upon all of us, regardless of our circumstances. Those who struggle against the, the, you know, the nature of the body. Those who, who struggle against the, the nature of marriage. And, and those who struggle and frustrate the purpose of this divine sacrifice intended to sanctify us and begin in us the eternal life of heaven. And so for all of us, and this, for all of us here and for all of us who aren't here, we pray, just as we did at the beginning of Mass, show favor, O Lord, to your servants, and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace that made fervent in hope, faith, and charity. They may be ever watchful in keeping your commands. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.